where are you going to get this music? Where are you going to get this teaching? Where are you going to get these unique programs right. like like Underground Revival and City Takers? It almost sounds like a Victory Partner Day here today. Yeah. But as as Ray is teaching on Passover today, I'm just reminded how unique this ministry is. Yeah. There is nothing like this mm -mm. and we need your support. The only way we do this. We get to be unique because of your support. <laughs> yes. That's true. Amen. That, that's exactly we're, right. We're not at the behest of... Behest. Behest. Ooh, Is that the right behest. word in the right context? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she did it. She did it. Ding. <laughs> As opposed to bequest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but we're not at, uh, at the behest of, of any c controlling uh, music industry mm -hmm. or anything. And that's why right. we can play all these worship artists mm -hmm. if you're thinking about stepping into supporting victory 91.5 victory partner days begins next monday and if you've never done that before you know just start thinking wow i i get to be a part of this mm -hmm. i get to be a part of sharing not only the gospel of jesus christ every day but to learn more about who this jesus is yeah, yeah. and who and who god is in our lives active and working through what Ray is talking about today. Passover, part five. So we're going to look at something that's so unusual, but I think it applies to every one of us every day of our lives. Uh, and it is the very first plague. We're going to look at all the plagues and the gods of Egypt. Little G on the gods right there. They're false idols and stuff. But what I want you to do and what I'm doing as I go through this is, all right, what controls me? Mm. Or what has my affection? Maybe that's a better word for you to to, to look at. You know, where, where's your heart at? Because, mm -hmm. you know, we'd like to say we are so after God. But the fact is our lives often show, yeah, maybe we're... Uh, a little sidestepped here and there. Daily. Yeah. I mean, it's it's easy. We're not talking about that. It's just, you know, a million demons have to attack. It's just, you know, you can Life. just glance over or hear or look. Mm -hmm. Something's there. So, Where is your affection at this moment? Hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about these plagues. Ten plagues in all. But he, God actually gets in the face of a, a just a numerous false idols here. So the very first plague turning the Nile into blood. Interesting choice to begin with. And it was a direct hit on quite a few gods. And it would stay there seven days because an entire week uh, proves God's complete dominance because everybody in, <clears throat> in that day looks at a week as it's a, a microcosm of your life. So mm -hmm. seven days, whole week, this is your life. So God's just saying, <laughs> this could get a lot worse. Um, Canaan was the guardian of the Nile sources. All right? There is... So... If he's supposed to be protecting the Nile, they put all their hope and they're offering sacrifices to this God who cannot stop the Nile from being turned to blood. Uh, Happy, H-A-P-I, was the spirit of the Nile and a water bearer. It manifested, they thought, in a crocodile. So they actually sang songs of adoration to him. Hmm. <laughs> Does that remind you of anything? <laughs> so... Osiris, you're going to hear a lot about. He was a god of the underworld. The river Nile was considered his bloodstream. So think about the humor that God brought into this particular plague. So when the Nile turned to blood, the fish died. Several other gods supposedly protected the fish. 
Blood was everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars that were used as offering bowls before the gods of Egypt. God had such a profound sense of humor in these plagues, if you can really appreciate it. So it's interesting that this was probably the first plague because, remember, uh, Moses was highly regarded in Egypt, as said, by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. But the thing is, they had grown up with him, right? So the Nile had protected Moses when he was placed in the waters by his mother as a baby. They put him in a little basket, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in one sense, God was saying that, no, I protected Moses in the basket. It was me, not your false gods. Mm. So Moses was his prophet, now sent to Egypt. So this one that they highly regarded as being lifted, his very name meant coming out of the water. So the very first plague was to deal with their any misconceptions they had in a lot of false gods. Now, oddly enough, this just gets weirder as you go, but <laughs> the Egyptians deified frogs. They were sacred, and they could not be killed. It was actually a crime punishable by death to kill a frog. Wow. Now tell me, this isn't a funny story in the eyes of God. So the plague forces the Egyptians to actually tread all over them because they're everywhere. They can't help but kill them. Hmm. And so they're watching them. Pickles hates them. <laughs> yes, she does. Don't we all? So they're watching all these frogs die and rot in front of them. And the frog goddess, if you will believe, Hecate, uh, who was supposedly assisted women in childbirth. So... They had some really crazy warp things, and, and so day after day, God said, okay, let me introduce you to your false god. There you wow. go. Wow. Step on your frogs. So the next plague was the plague of lice. Uh, G-E-B, Jeb, was the Egyptian god over the dust of the earth. So Aaron was told to stretch forth his rod and smite the dust of the earth, and when he did, the dust became lice throughout all the land on both people and beasts. And... Even the magicians of Pharaoh profess this is the finger of God. They couldn't touch it. Now, this is the last plague that required Aaron's involvement. After three plagues, Moses steps up. He no longer needs help. His stuttering is gone. <laughs> He's ready to go. <laughs> so, and it's also the last plague that affected the Israelites. The, first, there was blood and there was lice and, and the frogs were everywhere. But at this point... Once Moses steps up and God begins to deal with the Egyptians only, he's going, okay, now I've revealed myself to the Israelites. Now, for the Egyptians, pay close attention. Mm -hmm. So the next plague is the plague of flies. Kepri, the Egyptian god of creation, had the head of a fly. And flies just deposit their eggs on other living things, so they... <laughs> They thought of that as <laughs> they thought of that as creation. Get it? So they uh -huh. they worship him as the god of creation. Pharaoh starts at this point bargaining with the Lord. He tries to dictate the terms, telling them, "You can sacrifice. You can go and you can sacrifice, but just in the land, not a three day journey." He starts to figure it out. So Moses, he didn't budge. Pharaoh relented. He said, "Okay, you can leave, but don't go very far." But then, of course, he changes his mind. So they get the plague of cattle disease. Now, it turns out there were a lot of cow gods in Egypt. Who knew? Hathor was the goddess of love, beauty, and joy, represented by a cow. Uh, Ta and They Eve. had cow appreciation day every day. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. It's weird. I, it, funny, some funny stuff follows us all. And I'm, I'm going to share my notes later on, and I've got some of the stuff from Egypt in it to, to share so you can look at some of the draws from the Valley of the Kings. 
Ta and Nevis were sacred bulls. This plague created a huge economic disaster. Because think about this. Food, transportation, military supplies, farming, economic goods, all were produced from cattle. So when they struck, when he struck the cattle that they absolutely worshipped, it was, that one was of the, their economy. It was. Yeah. It wasn't just the, the, that they loved these cows. Right. They did. But there is more to it. Now, the plague of boils, uh, Sekhmet was a lion-headed goddess supposed to have the power of both creating epidemics and ending them. Well, she obviously couldn't end this one. Serapis was the deity, deity charged with the responsibility of healing. Amenhotep was the god of medicine and guardian of the healing sciences. Isis, not the uh, mm -hmm. crazy people in the Mideast, but the Egyptian goddess of medicine and peace. Cleanliness being huge in the Egyptian society, this plague made the people unclean. So think about this. So now even the magicians can't perform ceremonies because they're unclean. So this entire class of people that was supposed to serve Pharaoh, they can't even go see him anymore because they're unclean. They can't stand before Pharaoh, and it's their last appearance in the story, too. They're no longer going to try to compete with God because they're unclean. That was a funny part of God's dealing with them. The plague of hail and it turns to fire raining down. Now, Nut, <clears throat> which is spelled just that way, N-U-T, was the sky goddess. Flax and barley were ripening in the field, so they sent this, and it destroys the flax and barley. The plague of locust comes next. Again, we'll go back to Isis and a god named Seth had responsibilities to agriculture. Seth was the god of storms and disorder. So this particular wonder definitely affected their life source. By hitting them in the food supply, the Lord displays the uh, possibility of imminent death if a change of heart did not occur. And still, Pharaoh doesn't listen. I mean, God mm -hmm. has come in every way to deal with these false gods. It's interesting to hear the plague and the practical application right. of the plague because the when, I was, when I was growing up and we would have the Passover Seder, it was just the list of the plagues. And we yeah. were like, oh, frogs, oh, boils, oh, lice, oh, That's all we ever flies. did. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty important to think because think about in your life today, we're all dealing with issues. We're not just, you know, we don't just create random things out of gods and, and bow down and fall in love with just random things. They're specific things. And the plague of darkness, uh, guess who was in, in the front zone on that one? Ra. You know, everybody hears about the god Ra. He was the sun god, one of Egypt's greatest gods. His consistent provision of life-giving light and warmth every day without fail was why he was venerated so greatly. So three days of palpable darkness that was so immense it said it could be physically felt. Mm -hmm. Think about feeling darkness. Mm -hmm. I mean, wow. that. That in, a, in of itself, yeah. yeah. I mean, you think about that. That's a, that's beyond words, right there, and it covers the land of Egypt. The sun, their most worshipped god, other than Pharaoh himself, gave no light. Darkness was a representation of death, judgment, and hopelessness, and it was a complete absence of light. So you can imagine Moses says, "All right." Next is darkness, and starts to walk out of the palace, and Pharaoh just comes into the darkness and the shadow, and. Psh, because he refuses to acknowledge the living God. And the final plague was the death of the firstborn. And again, this one touched a lot of their gods. Men was a god of procreation and reproduction. Mm -hmm. Isis, fertility and power to produce offspring. Uh, Hathor, the goddess of love, was one of seven deities who attended the birth of children. 
the apis bull was a firstborn animal and greatly revered, of course, being firstborn. He didn't just kill children. The death angel killed the cattle in the field, the firstborn of the cattle. Pharaoh was considered a god, so the death of his firstborn was the death of the son of God mm -hmm. to them. And this is interestingly follows in their history how some Egyptians were greatly changed by this particular plague. Osiris was the god of the underworld and of life and death. All of Egypt was about to learn that death wasn't a god, but an angel mm -hmm. sent to open every locked door in Egypt to snatch the life of the firstborn. Now, it's interesting, Osiris, while we're on this, was also worshipped as the god who caused the Nile to flood, which, which they loved. This was a good flood. It made crops grow. So the Egyptian army marched into the Red Sea, probably assuming he would protect them. They were mm. still putting their hope there. But obviously, a false god is the wrong god to put your hope in. So is sin, for that matter. But so, God gave them so many chances. It wasn't He wasn't just bringing plagues to no. deliver his people. He was showing mercy by bringing those things, saying, I am greater than all these things, all these false gods. And it tells you, you know, the fact that so many Egyptians went with the Israelites, you know, some of them were paying attention. Some of them went, okay, this is a bad story. It's going to get worse. Now, most, if you study and you try to look this up, there's a lot of different stories, but they'll, they'll tell you there's not enough, there's not enough proof that this even happened. Mm -hmm. But just recently, uh, a number of uh, science, uh, archaeologists, Brad Sparks, one of them, uh, really, if you go Google his name, you'll, you'll read some amazing things but that was discovered. But one of the ones I think was my favorite, is, uh, it's a, uh, a papyrus, The Destruction of Mankind is, the, uh, is, is in English, but it's called The Book of the Cow of Heaven. And that papyrus, and it's on the walls of Seti I, Ramses II, and III in the Valley of Kings in Egypt. And it describes Hathor's divine punishment of the Egyptians with foreigners who survived the suffering, separated from Ra, and at the end of it, the king asks the gods of the water why they let them drown and be defeated. So this is all written in hieroglyphics on yes. these famous tombs of yes. the kings and pharaohs. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, the parallels uh, with the Exodus story are striking. Uh, in fact, here's well, my favorite part just discovered by a German, uh, Eric Hornig, is the translation later about, a, so you're talking 150 years later after this happens, the translation for the name of Ra by this time means I am I or I am that I am. Mm. Mm -hmm. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Yep. The Egyptian root, Yahweh. <laughs> wow. They don't have any study of it, but since the given content, it's Yahweh in Hebrew, H-Y-H-W-H, -H, no vowels, Y-A-W-I in Egypt. But they've realized that this revelation to the Egyptians, some of them actually did get it, and they realized who was the living God, who was the Son of God. They realized this. The other parallels... Um, there is a, in those hieroglyphics and there's paintings is a depiction of the parting of the Red Sea and the mass drowning of the Egyptian army in the Valley of the Kings. So this isn't, uh, despite what historians will tell you, there is loads and loads of evidence, mm -hmm. pictures that you can look sure. at. Hieroglyphics, we can't read because I don't read hieroglyphics. But nonetheless, profound stuff of how God dealt with those false idols, and it's in your own life if you'll just look at it close enough. Wow. Mm. Wow. Ray Haynes teaching on Passover.
Go to the Rise and Stein Facebook page, the Victory Facebook page, and after the show, uh, you can go to the the podcast at Victory on Demand. Now, this may pique your interest, and you may think, wow, I'd love to experience more of Jesus, more of God from a historical point of view. Well, you can mm-hmm. by going to Israel. Here's Pastor Don talking about that. <laughs> 